Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Good morning, Jesus 911, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Ruben Nava, Jesse Romero, two man car. And uh, Jesse, I want to uh, wish you a good morning and a happy feast day of St. Louis de Montfort. Uh, the, hey, yeah. Pray for us, ora pro nobis. Yeah. And also St. Peter Chanel, uh, a double feast day today. Ora pro nobis, pray for us. Yes. Ruben, just want to let the audience know that uh, they're listening to two guys that uh, love the Lord Jesus Christ, retired from the LA Sheriff's Department, and fully vaxxed by the blood of Jesus. We are fully boosted by with all the sacraments. We are ready to go. That's right. That's right, Jesse. And uh, your your favorite physician, uh, Dr. Fauci, said that we're out of the pandemic <laughs> stage, and now he's retracting that. The White House is trying to go back on him. and Well, he's, he's, he's doing a soft shoe dance right now. It's funny. It's, this guy this guy is just uh it's it's, uh, it's a comedy show Ruben what's happening in the White House. It's a joke. Yeah. Hey, let me mention something real quick uh, for this, uh, the audience. Uh, Father Ripperger's having uh, a mother-daughter retreat June 26th to July 1st. Uh there's still openings for uh for 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 moms and, and daughters to go. Also Kyle Clement is having a retreat. It's called Reclamation Theology in other words going back to tradition. June 12th to July 17th, you can go to libercrystal.org, libercrystal.org if you're interested in going to uh, Father Chad Ripperger's mother-daughter retreat or Kyle Clemens' reclaiming theology. In other words, going back to tradition retreat. Uh, both of those are in June. Go to libercrystal.org, libercrystal.org. Amen. And then there's uh, the the conference here, the chapel here. Ours conference. Yep, yeah, ours. The 7th. Um yeah, it's uh, Dr. Sandoval and Terry and, and uh, Mary uh, Barber are going to be speaking, and it's on the family. So, and uh, that's the that's the greatest that's, attack right now is on the family. Yeah, you're going to hear this. Yeah. yeah, which leads us to our first talk, Ruben. There's a Catholic priest who's revealed the role in the DC aborted babies case. He says, "I buried them myself." So it's a West Virginia priest speaking publicly about his role in providing a funeral mass and dignified burial for more than 100 aborted babies that pro-life activists say they rescued outside of a Washington, D.C. abortion clinic. His name is Father Bill Kuczynski, 62 years old. He says, I buried the babies myself. He's a longtime advocate for the unborn, who also runs the Catholic prison ministry for the entire state of West Virginia. Uh, he revealed in an interview with Catholic News Agency, he declined to disclose the burial location other than to say it was in a private cemetery. Mm. CNA also found that Kaczynski's bishop, Bishop Mark Brennan of the Diocese of Willing, Charleston, fully supports the actions uh, of, of Father Kaczynski and what he took to ensure the babies remains re were treated respectfully. Mm. Go ahead, Ruben. That's right. So he, uh, Father, and, the, and if you go to the... Uh, the, the article you'll be able to see some pictures of father uh kuchinski's saint mass and um and so he 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 did a burial for this 100 aborted boston D, washington dc um babies and um he it's following a long christian tradition of practicing the corporal works of mercy for for the dead right we're, we're called to bury the dead and he's he's honoring them and remaining uh burying them with love and uh 
as his bishop said, he he fully approves of what Father Kaczynski's uh, care and actions were, and he reminds us that these are real human beings, real human children, not lifeless things. And so, until uh, their lives were unjustly taken from them, the bishop added, "These are these are babies, Jesse, and uh, and they deserve the respect, and they they deserve to live for for one thing, but they um, but they've got to." You, we can't just forget about them and throw them. Ruben, out. which makes me just it, it, uh, this issue gives people moral clarity. It should. Catholics cannot vote for the Democrat Party. You cannot vote for a Democrat. This is the party that promotes the killing of innocent babies, the party of abortion, the party of euthanasia, the party of infanticide. I don't care if 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 they were let's say they were spectacular on everything else economy foreign policy border which they're not by the way right but let's let's just say they were just absolutely phenomenal on everything else this issue Ruben, Ruben is enough yeah. for a Catholic you can't even contemplate voting for this party yeah this is a game changer this is it um, I mean there's no other rights that even matter civil rights and anything like that because if you don't have the right to live then those are meaningless so uh there's activists uh lauren handy and teresa bukovinak uh they're from a group called the progressive anti-abortion uprising the paau and they told reporters on april 5th that they obtained 115 aborted babies from a driver for a medical waste company outside Washington Surgery Clinic uh, on March 25th with the intention of giving the babies a dignified funeral and burial. and But five five of the babies who appeared to be of late-term gestation were located and collected by the Metropolitan Police Department Good on March 30th. And, and the PPAU says it's it arranged for D.C. police to collect and examine the babies, fearing that the baby's injuries could be evidence of illegal abortions. At the mm-hmm. at the April 5th press conference, Lauren Handy, this pro-life activist, a Catholic, said that all of the 115 victims of abortion violence were given a funeral mass and that the 110 babies not in police custody were buried in a private cemetery by the priest, Father Kaczynski. During the baby's burial, Father Kaczynski said he recited burial prayers, blessed the grave and placed a crucifix on it, uh, marking where they lie. Father Kaczynski said that Handy, the pro-life activist, first contact, contacted him the day that she received the babies on March 25th. When he called her back two days later, he learned about the aborted baby's remains. She asked that I come off for prayers for the babies in her apartment where the little ones were being kept in the refrigerator, Father Kaczynski said. Uh, she said that would be good. Uh, Ruben, I, I can't even imagine having a house of 115 babies, aborted babies in my refrigerator. This woman has nerves of steel. Not only is she a faithful Catholic uh, that realizes that people need to have a dignified burial, but she's also got uh, fortitude and, and courage. Yeah, Jesse, when I, when I think about uh, my years on the on the force, um, the hardest things to watch, the hardest things to roll up on were injured children, uh, Children that were dead, you know, uh, from various causes, and uh, that was just so hard because you know most of us have our own children, and mm-hmm. and you know you, I see I've seen grown men just break down, you know, grown grown deputy sheriffs, police officers just break down when uh, you know they can't uh, save a baby, uh, maybe baby drowning or you know baby. Uh, <clears throat> what is it when the parent rolls over on them and the sleep and and. Uh, mm. 
yeah. or Sid's death. Those things are, are just, just so they're felt throughout the whole station. Everybody is just in mourning. And uh, so I can't even imagine what, what, uh, you know, what the, first of all, the priest, when he sees these babies uh, and they know his love for God and, and it, it's, it's really got to take a, uh, take a toll on him. And it's something he'll, he'll probably never forget to see the, uh, and he didn't, he didn't go and inspect them. Uh, you know, he, he said he didn't have, he, he wasn't going to go in and, and really closely examine them because um, it's just, it was just too much, you know? And um, he said, it, he saw the babies inside the, the, the refrigerator, the apartment, but he said the door is open for me to view, but I did not take a close look to examine their mortal remains. He, he recalled, I saw the bigger containers with five older babies and very many small denture cups holding the remains of the unborn terminated in the first trimester. They were stacked up neatly against alongside the larger remains in the refrigerator door. Mm. So he didn't desire to take a closer look at these poor children. Following the prayer, Father Kaczynski said that he told those present that they could sing a song. Uh, what they chose, Father Kaczynski says, was a beautiful song. Not unsuitable to the liturgy, but expressing a desire for a world without abortion, and if I remember correctly, for peace. Uh, he remembered seeing many tears that day. Uh, <clears throat> Father also says, uh, Father Kaczynski says, I remembered that these were babies who were murdered and being, and being carted off to burn, possibly for energy, as medical waste. Uh, I felt an obligation to them, Father Kaczynski wrote in an email, to God and to humanity to make sure they had a proper burial. By the way, that's part of the corporal works of mercy. It's in 2447 of the Catechism that we believe that we should give people a dignified burial, not throw somebody, you know, you know, just into the ocean or throw them into a volcano or something. Or mm. uh, That's not dignified or, you know, burn his body and scatter him, you know, in the forest somewhere. That's not dignified, according to the Catholic faith. Go ahead, Ruben. Yeah, Jess, and uh, you know, there's a, a friend of mine that uh, is out there on the front lines in this in this um, in pro-life movement, and uh, he's out there with pictures of of the pictures of the aborted babies and themselves, and uh, most people, especially the left who were involved, in it, don't want to see this. They don't. They get. A, they, oh, they're offended. Well, if you're offended, then why are you doing what you're doing? You know, and. Mm. I think everything, everybody needs to see it because they need to see for the, the truth for what it is. And, uh, and when they just try, try to put their head in the sand and, uh, just think that it's some blob of cells or, or, or tissue or something that it, it, these, you know, the babies, they've got a heartbeat, you know, very soon after their, their birth. So, uh, it's, it's a shame that we even have to be responding to a story like this. And I'll tell you what's worse than that. What bigger shame is that you have Catholics that are politicians that got go. law degrees and all kinds of degrees. They're the ones, Ruben, that are behind this. As two popes have said in times past, uh, the greatest evil that we see in the earth is lukewarm Catholics. Can you say Biden, Fauci, Pelosi, uh, and the list goes on. Yeah, yeah. This is an unspeakable crime. And uh, they're going to pay... Anybody who's involved in this room and is going to pay for it if they don't repent. I hope they repent before they die. Amen. Okay, we'll come back up. We're going to talk about a Colombian actress that did change after an abortion. She's found God, found her faith. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, 
Dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911. We uh, just uh, finished up an article on abortion, but we're, we're going into another one that's involving abortion. It's a Colombian actress and a model. Uh, she this, one, this one ends in victory, though, Ruben. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. The suffering of abortion, she said, led me to an encounter with God. And uh, she says, I don't know any woman who has had an abortion and has not lived through hell, says Amada Rosa Perez. I don't know any woman who has had an abortion and has not lived through hell, but I know many mothers who have had their children, and they are the greatest blessing and their their happiness. And she says that uh, Perez is sure that all women who have had abortions have a deep wound left in their heart, as she does. That is why several years ago she's... She's been sharing her testimony as a message of faith and hope. He, she says, I was never in a favor of an abortion. She says, I had the, an abortion out of fear because I was pressured by my partner. And I believed in what they told me, that the most important thing was my dreams, and my professional success. The result was several years of pain, guilt, and ended through God's mercy. And uh, today she's 45 years old, married, has a five-year-old son, and uh, is still uh, more beautiful than ever when she started modeling in Colombia. Uh, at the age of 18, so she was the face of a well-known known brands. She acted several soap operas and had thousands of admirers. Yeah, uh, this other article I have, it says the, the experience left her, Amada Rosa Perez, traumatized. Again, she said women, argue, she argued, deserve better, and abortion does not help them. In addition to physical harm, it causes emotional harm. She says, I had suicidal thoughts. I believe that I wasn't worth uh, worthy to go on living because I had killed my child. And I suffered from a fixation on memories related to abortion. That's called diabolical obsession. That's common with post-abortion uh, women. Perhaps one of the most common consequences is a loss of tenderness. Our women's heart becomes harder. You see that with feminists, Ruben. Yeah. In the feminist movement, you see some of the most vile, hardened, filthy, nasty women and again, they actually brag about having had an abortion. And I think they're coming from a, from an area of deep-seated pain. And this is what hardens their heart and makes them talk like if they don't really care that they had an abortion. But they are, they are hurting inside. Beta says this. She says, she calls it guilt that eats away at the soul. What a great uh, description. Guilt that eats away at the soul. Bettis tried to hide how much she was hurting. Those who have had abortions that appear calm are just keeping up appearances, she explained. I went out in interviews smiling, but inside my heart was broken. Again, eventually she gave herself to God, allowed herself to heal from the pain. But she wants to save other women from experience what she went through, especially after the pro-life country's shocking decision to make abortion legal. Uh, even the way it is phrased as a, quote, voluntary interruption of pregnancy, uh, Amada Perez calls a manipulation that abortions a, a manipulation meant to ensnare women. Ruben? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not something as simple as an interruption, she said. It's, it's what if I wanted to resume my pregnancy? Who gives me back my children? And she says, we're, we're living in a culture of debt that wants to take away the value of motherhood and mm. is damaging the minds and hearts of girls and women who think that if... They end the life of their children. They will be free. So on the contrary, that makes them slaves. And um, yeah, you can't put anything uh, above. 
your career. You can't put anything above your uh, your children. You can't put your career. You can't put, you know, fame and fortune. Anything like that. Uh, you know, some there's there's this uh, this the view in in uh, among the young people that uh, you know they've got to live fast and they've got to uh, do everything they can. They only they only live once, so they got to live it. You know, do all the right things and and uh, but they put building a family and and if. Anytime someone gets pregnant, it's a blessing from God. It's not. It's not a yes. curse. No, no child Amen. curse, right? So no, the Bible always calls it a blessing, right? Yeah. Always, one hundred percent of the time, pregnancy is always called a blessing in Scripture. Yeah. So you're, you're not going to go and uh, and end that blessing to uh, try to, you know, ensure that your career is going to go on, and that you, let's say some of these young kids in college get pregnant. Oh, I I, I won't be able to finish school. And, well, you know, you should have thought about that when you you know did the 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 marital act outside of marriage you know right and and she's you could tell she's very steeped in scripture ruben just in this article this interview because what she just said that reminds me of what jesus says in john eight thirty four. he says truly truly i say to you everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin uh you could see that she's returned to her catholic faith and she's she's very well formed mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um yeah just for for those who who've had abortions that might be listening that you know we're not trying to uh we're not trying to disparage you or anything like that, but get the help that you need, you know, and, and start with a would start with a good confession would be my advice. And and then go to Project Rachel. There you go. Yeah. Project Rachel. Go to confession. Go to Project Rachel. And uh, just know this, that God's forgiveness and mercy is more powerful than any sin we can commit. Uh, there's nothing that you can do or have done that Jesus Christ on Calvary cannot forgive if you come to him and confess it come with contrition and come with a firm purpose of amendment to a change your life. There is nothing he can't forgive. That's right. That's right. She said regarding abortion, when babies are conceived in rape, she, uh, she wonders why the death penalty should be inflicted on the innocent and defenseless baby when only the only guilty party is the rapist. So two wrongs don't make a right is what she's saying. Furthermore, she's convinced that one tragedy cannot be remedied with a greater tragedy. Abortion is not the solution. It adds a worse hell she says that she cites statistics that show that most rapes do not lead to pregnancy because Jesse, that, that's what the left's always arguing. Well, we got to make this exception uh, in the in the event of, of a rape, and and it happens less than one. Yeah, it's of the less time. than yeah, less than one percent of the yeah. cases. Correct. Yep. Go ahead, Jess. I'll go ahead and finish it up, okay, and so, then I'll make some comments. So it's not easy to to recover from an abortion. She's, she's had, which is, has various consequences for both men and and women. For and. Uh, a lot of people leave the guys out of this equation, you know. Uh, they have just as much to blame if they're pushing their their women to go get an abortion. I think I think it's uh, my other- my opinion. Abortion is a man caused problem. Think about this, Ruben. Uh, it, it's it's men that are the predators that are impregnating these women have no intention to be with them and marry them. Number two, Roe versus Wade was pre- was passed by nine by nine Supreme Court justices, all male. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, who else? Who funded the abortion case? Who was behind? Uh, actually, who funded the case on contraception? The Griswold versus Connecticut, nineteen sixty-eight. Hugh Hefner. So this entire abortion contraception industry—it's a male narcissistic. Uh, uh, you know, I want to line my pockets with a lot of money, and I want to just uh, satiate my lower appetites business. This is a man-caused problem. And only men can stop this. Mm, good point, Jess. That's my that's yeah. my opinion. 
Yeah, and, and there are some cases though that where the the woman's just adamant about getting an abortion and doesn't take into consideration, the, you know, the feelings of uh, of her her spouse or her boyfriend or or whatever, and uh, and so the le- the you know the feminists will say, well, they don't have it's it's their body, it's their choice. They they it's not up to the man. To, you know, she's got to carry it. But uh, it's just a, it's it takes two to make a baby. It takes three. It takes you know the the Lord and yeah, because God cons- God uh, implants God sends a soul immediately into the egg sperm fusion, even if it's out of rape or incest. Mm-hmm. It's God the one that says, "This is my creature," uh, and uh, hopefully this creature gets baptized, so this creature can become my son. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, w- w- regarding this uh, this incredible actress here from Colombia, Amada Rosa Perez. Uh, I can just tell you that as St. Augustine would say about himself and her, he says, there is no saint without a past mm-hmm. and no sinner without a future. That describes pretty much every one of us. And uh, ultimately, the goal in our life, and she gets it, Amada Rosa Perez, she gets it. The goal of our life is to become a saint. And the only real tragedy in this life is not to become a saint. And I can tell you this, uh, her repentance seems genuine. Her change of life seems genuine. She's definitely well on her way one day to enter into the uh, into the altars of heaven and become one of the saints of heaven. Right. She ended up by saying, uh, the article says, she says, fortunately, there's hope. There's a way out. Healing is possible with God's grace. And there are specialists in post-abortion healing as well as people like her who spread their testimony of life with humility and love. And she just said, I'm simply a grain of sand. God allowed me to be a public figure to give his messages. I only ask him to never let me go, to never let mm. go of me and to be able to do his will, she concluded. And uh, yeah, that's all we, we should all be looking to do is to do his will. And you could, uh, if anybody's uh, has had an abortion that's listening to this program, first of all, I say that, I mean, we want to say that our heart, uh, you know, breaks, uh, our heart breaks for your situation. Mm. But we would just say as your brothers in Christ, uh, go to Project Rachel, go to Priest for Life. There are good Catholic organizations there. You need healing. You need the healing that comes from Jesus Christ and Christ alone. But before anything, go to the Sacrament of Confession. Maybe you want to do a, uh, you want to sit down with the priest and make an appointment. It's not, it's going to be longer than five minutes. Tell them that you want to make a general confession. That's uh, that's probably a good thing to do. That's That means you confess your sins, every single sin from the age of seven, from the age of reason up until the present moment. And it's very cathartic. It's very therapeutic. Again, uh, the sacrament of confession, uh, exorcists around the world have said it's about 100 times more powerful and efficacious and meritorious than a solemn exorcism. So run a confession. Go, call a Project Rachel. Uh, call a, a, a priest for life. There's many good Catholic organizations out there that want to help you. Ruben, this also reminds me, years ago, there was another former actress from Argentina. It didn't turn out too well for her. I'm looking at an old article here. She was a Latin beauty queen called Solange Magnano. Uh, Her husband told her he wanted her to augment her buttocks. And so she went through an an augmentation of of her buttocks uh, um, surgery, which is basically implant surgery. It was not necessary. It was called gluteoplasty. She died on the operating table. Uh, The liquid that was injected into her backside went to her lungs and brain, and she died. So... May God have mercy on her soul, uh, former Miss Argentina uh, uh, Solange Magnano. Uh, she died. I just hope that she had the opportunity to to repent and embrace Jesus Christ before she died. And there's there's abortions that that lead to women's death. They just don't publicize them. Of course, it's all hush hush. 
And um, but it, there's always the complications that could arise. Uh, even in that movie, Unplanned. I don't know if you if you saw that, Jesse. Uh, that was a that was a great movie that you know just depicted just how gruesome it is uh, the abortion industry is and the people behind it and and you know you you, you have people that, 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 that sometimes women can never uh, get pregnant after some of the uh, issues the medical issues that occur after an abortion so uh Ruben is it is it a wonder that uh the temple of satan which is the most active uh sect of satanism in the united states mm. they are completely in line with the democrat party yeah. in uh in, in suing states that are passing pro-life legislation and in lobbying a state capitals for uh for abortion laws the temple of satan and the democrat party are basically uh tied at the hip when it comes to promoting abortion uh, coincidence uh, i don't think yeah, so exactly <clears throat> wow anyway we're uh we're coming up on another break, and we're we're going to be talking uh, about a hero. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. A good coach. There's always room for a good coach on this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Be right back. Jesus nine one one. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. We're here back to Mancar, Jesus 911 on Soul Patrol, Jesse and Ruben. And uh, we're, we're just uh, changing gears here. And we're going to be talking about a, uh, a cat, uh, the, that the Catholic bishops are supporting a Praying football coach in, in a Supreme Court case. It's it's a it's a huge case, I think, um, Jesse, because uh, it's, it goes to the you know our one of our fundamental rights of, of freedom of religion. So yeah, Ruben, it does. And and this case has been argued, or cases like this have been argued in 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 the Supreme Court for for several decades now. In 1948, you had the first one. It was called McCallum versus Board of Education. Uh, this was a, a uh, a, a case about religious education uh, in, in public schools. Then in 1962, you had Engel versus Vitale. This is all often the case that's cited. That's the one where the uh, Supreme Court banned prayer from schools. And then 1963, you have Abington School District versus Shemp. This is uh, where the Supreme Court... Shemp? Uh, yeah, Shemp. Uh, oh. S-C-H-E-M... PP Shemp. one of the one of the stooges huh one of yeah the... <laughs> yeah this was a 16 year old year old at a Pennsylvania high school he refused to participate in mandatory Bible readings that occurred at the beginning of school each day his family along with the family of student Bill Murray sued and the court found that state-sponsored Bible devotional readings in public schools constitute an impermissible religious exercise by the government so these are just some of the cases that are going to affect this case here Ruben go ahead and so uh, what happened in this case is uh, Joseph Kennedy, that's his name, is uh, he's a Christian who he lost his job as a high school football coach for refusing to stop praying at the 50-yard line after games. And um, the U.S. Supreme Court is expected to hear the arguments uh, in Kennedy versus Bremerton School District sometime in April. And um, anyway, it dates back to 2015 when Bremerton High School in Washington placed him on administrative leave and it did not renew his contract for the following season. 
So he filed a suit to vindicate his right to act in accordance with his sincerely held religious beliefs by offering a brief private prayer of thanksgiving at the conclusion of the BHS football games, according to his brief. And get this, the uh, is a Catholic law firm called the Beckett Law Firm dedicated to religious liberty. They filed the new brief on the USCCB's behalf. It criticized school officials for saying Kennedy's actions violated the U.S. Constitution. And um, it says, this is what they said, the Constitution exists to protect public expressions of faith, not to stop Americans from praying in public. Lori Wynn-Maham, senior counsel at Beckett, stressed in a press release on March 2nd, quote, the idea that high school football players can handle a tough game, but not the sight of someone kneeling in prayer at the end of the night is ridiculous. I agree. Um, I think, uh, first of all, Joseph Kennedy I think he's a Catholic Christian. I just the Kennedy. That's you know his. That's an that's Irish. So he's probably probably a Catholic Christian. I have to say that he got the best law firm in the country when it comes to religious liberty. The Beckett Foundation. These guys are pit bulls when it comes to going to court and defending religious liberty issues. So uh, he's in good hands there. But uh, you know, don't don't uh, especially those of you that are affected by this case, uh, offer up a prayer for this man and for his court case so that he wins because there could be a paradigm shift in this country. It says uh, the Constitution, or this is the lawyer, Lori Winham, senior counsel at the Beckett, found, uh, Beckett Law Office. The Constitution exists to protect public expressions of faith, not to stop Americans from praying in public. The idea that high school football players can, uh, can handle a tough game, but not, but not the sight of someone kneeling at, in, in prayer at the end of the game, at the end of the night, is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah these guys are pounding each other for an hour with bat with, with pads running into each other at you know ten miles an hour like trains yeah. you know spearing each other with their heads and and, and uh, yeah the this is probably the, the furthest group from from uh, uh what's it called snowflakes uh, of any sport out there yeah. and you're gonna say that they're gonna melt like like snowflakes if they see a man praying at the end of right. the game what a good oh it's a good argument. <laughs> And then the, what the they also says, if there's one thing more American than football, it's religious freedom. And Wyndham added, we hope the Supreme Court confirms what everyone with common sense knows when a, when a Christian coach kneels in prayer or a Sikh tiskuchich wears a kirpan or a Muslim principal fast for Ramadan. They're expressing their faith, not establishing a religion. Um, that's I think that's huge. That's a good point. Yep. They uh, went on to say that uh, they, the school district complained that Kennedy prayed while on duty and uh, claimed that the practice. Yeah, that's that's a case right there, Ruben. That that's what they're going to stick to the left secularist, uh, you know, progressives is those three words while on duty that they're, they're building. That's where they're building their case on. I hope they're building it on, on straw. Yeah. Or quick, quick. And, and they claim that the practice could be coercive. The district claimed that it, it tried to that uh, it tried to accommodate Kennedy by suggesting, among other things, that he pray in the press box away from the rest of the team. The case centers on two questions: whether a public school employee who says a brief, quiet prayer by himself while at school and visible to students is engaged in government speech that lacks any First American protection, and two, whether assuming that such religious expression is private and protected by free speech and free exercise clauses. The Establishment Clause nevertheless compels public schools to prohibit it. In the brief filed by the Beckett, found, the, the Beckett Law Firm, they filed it on March 2nd for the USCCB on their behalf. 
The USCCB states its interest in the protection of the First Amendment rights of religious organizations and their adherents and the proper development of this court's jurisprudence in that regard. Uh, the, the brief, the legal brief reads, as it says, Respect for diverse religious exercise, including religious exercise by public employees, is in the best of our national traditions and not to be celebrated, not punished. That's what the legal brief says. Mm -hmm. The brief reviews history and Supreme Court precedent to make the case that forms of religious expressions like Kennedy's are protected by the Constitution. Right. Yeah, the versions of uh, endorsement and coercion that have been used to justify the school district's actions here would exclude many religious people from public employment, the, the brief warns. Americans of many different faiths, including many government employees, pray during the workday. You know, they follow religious grooming requirements or wear religious emblems. Any such activities might make someone who encounters them feel discomfort or provide the basis for a vague notion of government endorsement, the brief adds. But a proper establishment clause analysis, one based upon historical practices and understanding, does not lead to this result. Yeah, and uh, one of our listeners on the chat says, uh, you know, if they fire this man, then uh, Jews and Muslims ought to be fired for requiring kosher and halal meals and not eating pork. Now, um <laughs> I mean, everybody has their own. I mean, if you're if you're following some type of faith, you're, you're going to have something that uh, that's you're going to do that could seemingly uh, uh, affect your uh, the the constitution if, if the way the school sees it here. Jesse, we we were in our jobs. We um, there were very often. I know you and I both prayed in you know uh, amongst our our guys with our guys uh, mm -hmm. with other and. Uh, we just weren't we weren't forcing people to do it. It wasn't an we weren't endorsing. Hey, you got to come to our side. Well, maybe you did, Jess, but <laughs> yeah. uh, but you, you know, you either can join or you don't have to join. You know, and I, and you know, and I, um, well, I coach I coach um, the the sheriff soccer team. I still do. I've got three teams, um, and uh, very often I uh, I'll take a knee and I'll say a prayer, or a blessing. To, not to not that we win, but that we pray uh, for a, a good. We honor God by our actions, and that we um, w w good camaraderie, we good sportsmanship. We're 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 praying that nobody gets hurt, you know, and uh, so all these things. And um, but people don't have to take part, you know. I don't ask them. Hey, do you you believe in God? Uh, I just hey, let's just say say a prayer, take a knee, you know, and and uh, I guess. If I was on duty, I guess they they could could say something, but uh, but I'm, you know, in this case, I'm not on duty when I when I'm doing these things. You know, Ruben, uh, our country comes from this a godly a godly heritage, especially when it comes to prayer. I think uh, the Supreme Court is going to bring to mind uh, that prayer is kind of an integral part of this country's history since the beginning. For example, the Continental Congress designated a time for prayer. In 1776, every session of Congress begins with a prayer by a paid chaplain whose salary has been paid by the taxpayer since 1777. Also, the Senate and House of Representatives and the Armed Forces have Catholic and Protestant chaplains paid by the government. <clears throat> also, in 1863, Abraham Lincoln called for such a day. He declared a national day of prayer, uh, you know, uh, in 1863. Next, in 1952, President Truman 
signed into law a joint resolution by Congress declaring an annual National Day of Prayer. And finally, President Reagan, amended in 1988, designated the first Thursday of every May as the National Day of Prayer. So Mm. this is an absolute urban legend, an absolute myth that there's this total separation of church and state. There never has been. God is mentioned four times in the Declaration of Independence. Congress has to hire chaplains, uh, as, as do most state legislatures. The military, our prisons, presidents take the oath of office with the hand on the Bible. Uh, every piece of U.S. currency says, in God we trust. I think uh, we're going to be vindicated, Ruben, at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, let's hope for it. Let, let's, let's pray that this happens because uh, this, is, this affects all of us, actually. And uh, our hearts go out to this, this coach. I don't know what he's doing uh, in the interim since this happened, you know, six years ago. But um, it, it's, it's worth fighting for. That's, that's, I'm glad that he's, he's taking, it, taking up the cause. And, uh, Talk about perseverance. He's been out of that job. I'm sure he's probably working somewhere else. Yeah. But he's been out of that employment, which he obviously loved for six years. And he didn't like like say, you know what? I'm done with this. Just throw his hands up in the air. I'm just going to move on. Who cares? I lost that job. That's it. No, this guy's a fighter. This guy, this is what's called perseverance, the perseverance of the saints. This guy's saying, no, I don't care if I have to wait six years for my day in court. This is wrong. And I'm not going to let anybody else uh, get screwed over like I did. Yeah. Yeah, the left would have you uh, just want you to walk away and just be quiet about it. Just fo- just follow your orders, man. And just, you know, take a hike. <laughs> Not him. No, and that, that just gives that teaches us a lesson. We we all got to stand up for what we believe in. Yep, life lessons, Ruben. Life lessons. That's right. Up next, we'll continue talking about the Supreme Court, how they're going to rule on this case. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus, he is risen. And, uh, Amen. <laughs> we're still celebrating Easter, Jess. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. There you go. He is risen, he is risen indeed. Ruben, back to uh, this this coach who who's demonstrating heroic virtue. And by the way, when you're being, when you're going through the process of canonization in the Catholic Church, that's the criteria that they look for. They look, did this person mm-hmm. demonstrate throughout the course of his life uh, moments of heroic virtue? Uh, again, Joseph Kennedy, this, this, what he's been doing for the last six years, this definitely qualifies to to be under the title of heroic virtue because he, this could be a national game changer. The Supreme Court on Monday seemed seemed inclined to rule for a Washington State high school football coach who lost his job six years ago after he refused to stop praying on the field immediately after the games. Joseph Kennedy said the school district violated his religious freedom by telling him that he couldn't pray, that he couldn't pray so publicly after the games. But the district said it was trying to avoid the appearance that the school was endorsing a religious point of view. The case presented an important test of the current of the current court's notion of the separation between church and state. During nearly two hours of courtroom argument, the conservative majority, thanks be to God because of Donald Trump, seemed prepared to rule that the coach was expressing his own private religious views and was not speaking for the school district. Ruben? Mm-hmm. 
They said, quote, uh, the, cover- the government doesn't endorse all private speech just because it takes place on school grounds, end quote. Kennedy's lawyer, Paul Clement, told the court. One factor in the case appeared to be whether the coach's decision to pray in such a prominent place on the 50-yard line amounted to a private moment of giving thanks or a public demonstration of his religious faith that his players may have felt compelled to join. Kennedy became the assistant coach of the varsity football team at Birmingham High School in 2008, later began offering a brief prayer on the field after games, and ended uh, with the players and coaches. They met midfield to shake hands. The school district eventually told him he should find a private location for praying, but he declined and continued the practice of dropping to one knee and praying silently on the 50-yard line. And just, you know, that, that image of dropping to one knee. And, and do you remember all the all the grief that uh, Tim Tebow got when he, he, he dropped to a knee? And, and yet they, they've got all these these uh, guys out there, you know, dancing around in the end zone, you know, like a, like, Someone possessed, uh, and they're they're dancing around. He just simply takes a knee and and says a quiet prayer, and uh, and then they they hound him, they they go after him, attack him, and then now uh, uh, just you know the last two years with this BLM and uh, uh, people are taking a knee to uh, oppose the uh, national anthem, and nobody says anything to them. You know they, they endorse it. In fact, many politicians took a knee too. You know, it's disgusting. Go ahead, Justin. Ruben, because the movers and shakers in this country, they hate God. That's that's essentially they 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 suffer from a deep pathological hate of God and anything that that smacks of God. Mm. The article says, uh, quoting the coach who's been fired, I was just doing the free exercise of my religion and wasn't going to hide because I work for the government. He said this in an NBC News interview. Uh, the coach Kennedy said, "No one in America should have to hide who they are or that they have faith." Close quote. Yeah. The school district that he worked for said his prayer was anything but private. He announced his plans to continue praying and invited journalists and a state legislator to watch. The district gave him a poor performance evaluation, and he did not apply to renew his contract after the 200, 2015 football season. Richard Katsky, the lawyer for the school district, said the following. He's the one who insisted on giving audible prayers that students could join. And then he created a zoo on the field. Close quote. Some of the court's liberals seem to agree. For example, apostate Catholic Justice Sonia Sotomayor, she said he chose to publicize his prayer. Then he got down on one knee on the 50-yard line. Close quote. Other members of the court said even if the prayers were not seen as an endorsement of religion, they could still be viewed as, su- as subtly pushing members of the team to join in. Go ahead, Ruben. A prayer by teachers and coaches, uh, quote, as kinds of, kind of puts undue press on students to participate when they may not wish to, said Justice Elena Kagan. Another lefty. Mm-hmm. They, they feel like they have to join religious observations they don't wish to join, end quote. And here's Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who, who, by the way, is a is a basketball coach. He he wondered about the player who thinks if I don't participate in this, I won't start next week. Every player is worried about playing time. And here's here's what he says. But he said there's a difference between a prayer in a locker room or the huddle, and when players are dispersing after a game. If a coach kneels down and prays, doesn't invite or discourage players to join in, but is visible to people in the stands. He can be fired for that? It's a question mark. And then Justice Samuel Alito, 
one of the great lawyers, one of the great judges, him he, and uh, Thomas. Yep. He said school, the school should treat religious expression by teachers no differently than they do expression of political views. Ha. Huh. There you go. Suppose what mm. Coach Kennedy did was go out on the field after the game and wave the Ukrainian flag. <laughs> after he wasn't backed, uh, Kennedy filed a lawsuit claiming the violations of his right to free expression and religious freedom. But the lower federal court said because he chose to say his prayers in such a prominent place, he was acting as a public employee and his conduct was therefore not protected by the First Amendment. He dressed in school colors, still on the job. This is talking about Coach Kennedy and responsible for the conduct of his players. A lower court ruling against him said, and a reasonable observer would have seen his actions as a coach participating, in fact, leading an orchestrated session of faith. Again, uh, these are just a bunch of God haters. Those rulings cited past Supreme Court decisions that said when public employees act in their official capacities, they are speaking more for the government than for themselves. After Monday's argument, it appeared that a majority of the Supreme Court did not agree that this conduct could be considered an official endorsement of religion. Praise be to God. Thank you, Jesus. The case attracted an unusual amount of attention with a 60 friend of court briefs, including from former professional football players, some supporting the coach, others supporting the school district. The justices will issue their decision by the end of June. Hmm. I wonder if these lefties are saying, how dare a Kennedy express his faith, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Ruben, you know, there's this uh, this false understanding of the separation of church and state. First of all, the Constitution says nothing about the separation of church and state. Mm-mm. So where does, this, uh, where does this jargon come from? It comes from the words from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote in 1802 to the Danbury Baptist Association of Pastors. Uh, the Baptists had suffered much persecution, and Jefferson had wanted to reassure them that under the First Amendment, the government had no authority to hinder or control their activities. So the First Amendment, Jefferson was saying, in a private letter to the Baptist Association, he was saying that it's designed to protect religious establishments, not to harass and hassle them. But that letter, Ruben, has been turned, has been codified into some type of dogma, and now it's been completely turned on its head because they use that phrase not to, uh, you know, protect religious establishments, but precisely to harass and hassle them. Mm. Yes, that's, that's it. The, the, the... They just don't, it 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 offends them because they 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 just they just are not they're godless and so uh, yeah anything yeah. it's it, it's smacking them in the face and and it it muddles their you know their conscience they they, they oh my goodness there's a, they want to see they're just their side um, you know their their agenda push forward God forbid anyone has a different uh, belief in, in than they do and. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why, Ruben, because I think the average secular humanist, these godless people, just the mention of God or faith or Christ or a cross or something like that, what it does, it grates their conscience because mm-hmm. in their mind, in their conscience, in the deep recesses of their heart, they're saying, hmm, what if I'm wrong and there is a God and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for my sins? 
and he started the Catholic Church. What if, what if it grates their conscience, any mention of God, because you know what? In their heart of hearts, as St. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, all of them know there is a God by natural law that God has placed in their hearts, and so they're without excuse. They're all old men and old women. They know that they got one foot on a banana peel. They don't want to think about God until they have to. But Reuben, by the time they have to think about God, they'll be standing in front of his very presence face to face at their particular judgment. At that moment, it will have been too late. Yeah. And, and, and this idea of separation of church and state, it's not a view the Catholic Church shares. It's it's. It's not even like Jesse you said. It's not so, Mark, it's, it's it, yeah, it comes from, it comes from the Masons. It's a Freemasonic view. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. So, it's not even a view from like you said, the founding fathers of the U.S. Uh, no, no, it's not the and even and there's actually popes. Uh, there's papal encyclicals written uh, that separation of church and state is not a Catholic social prince. Is not. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, you got faith, papal denouncements of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you know we have to again push forward and 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 do the right thing and follow your follow your formed conscience and and um, based on the word of God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah stay, Throw that in there. Stand up for what you believe in and uh, don't ever back down, man. Just like Saint, uh, like the Pope Benedict said, he says the world offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. So uh, let's go out there and make a difference in the world today, and uh, you know, just one person at a time. That's all. That's all you got to do, and uh, wear your faith proudly and wear it on your sleeve. Uh, you know, maybe today take your scapular up, wear it on the outside. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I like uh, you know, wear your uh, your Saint Benedict cross out there in in public, and and there you go. Absolutely. There's people talking. Hey, what's that? You know, yeah, what's that? What? Especially when you're in an airport. Trust me, it's a conversation piece. Uh-huh. Hey, remember what Saint Augustine said? He said, "There is no saint without a past and no sinner without a future." So uh, if you're not right with God, get right with God today. Go to confession. Get right with God. Live in a state of grace. Remember that the ultimate goal in life is to become a saint and get to heaven. And the only real tragedy in this life is not to become a saint and end up in hell. Amen. Amen. So we're coming up on the end of another show. Thank you for your patronage. And uh, if you like the show, share it and uh, like it. And, uh, you know, we we have a a lot of things coming up on the calendar. So the men's conference is uh, June, June 18th. In uh, Covina, California, Jesse will be speaking uh, along with Terry and myself. And uh, we'd like to see you out here for that men's conference. And um, let's go out there and and make uh, this day uh, a masterpiece. Amen. God bless you. Keep the faith. Stay tuned for Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Mishuda from the Midwest Command Center. We are 10-7. We are out. Out. E-O-W.